The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hi guys, I am Macca19 and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast coming to you once again live on Port Fan Radio. And look, uh, Rick is still away uh, this week. He's uh, hobnobbing some corporates, I believe, so... uh, We've got back on the podcast once again, Janus. How are you, mate? Mm, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Fire up, son. Fire up. And uh, we are also speaking with Andre. Hey, Macca. Welcome back. Oh, it's good to be back. I'm um, feeling a bit like, have you guys heard of um, Schrodinger's cat? both simultaneously live and dead. That's how I feel tonight. I'm both um, simultaneously pumped to have a Friday night game in the city and wanting to bang my head on the table due to selections. And I won't know until the game finishes which one is going to win out. (laughs) Fair call too. Well, we might as well get uh, straight into action and talk about uh, this week's game. Obviously, it's round 11. It's prime time footy for Port Adelaide this week. Uh, we play Geelong on Friday night at Adelaide Oval. We've got a, uh, a 9-18 win-loss record, having won just uh, two of the last 16 matches against the Cats. And of course, last time we met was uh, Anzac weekend last year in another prime time game where we won by 40 points to break the hoodoo. So let's hope we can do similar this week. I certainly hope so. We still owe them a, a lot of um, defeats to get close to evening the ledger. You mean Richmond or uh, Carlton aren't playing tomorrow night? It's like I'm no, it's a traversity. That's, that's just that's just just ridiculous. I'm going to ride into Gill and demand an explanation. Yeah, that's it. Well, what are your thoughts been on Geelong so far this year? Flat track bullies. Yep. You have a look at who they've they've played. Uh, we're the last team from the top six. Last year, except for themselves, obviously, and the closest they've come is a 16-point loss at, at uh, home. The rest have been seven-plus goal losses, and they've beat up on the easy teams. They're um, definitely on the slide, and it's pretty much makes uh, tomorrow's night's game not just one we need to win due to our earlier losses, but it's a, a good barometer game because Geelong have not got near the top sides but have beat up on the easy ones. So if we can't get over them, it tells us a lot about both um, them and us. Yeah, that's a fair call. They've uh, they've lost to Hawthorne, Frio, North Sydney, and West Coast. So, you know, they uh, they really have struggled against uh, some big names this year. And, and as you said, they really have come back to the pack so far this season. Um, I mean, they are playing quite a young team, I guess. You know, they've got quite a lot of uh, names that wouldn't be uh, all that popular amongst uh, the normal sort of footballing public so far. Guys like Darcy Lang and uh, Shane Kirsten, all these sorts of fellas that... Um, have played minimal football so far. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, they're always going to be with um, some of their older players starting to retire, going to come back to the pack. It's going to take time to see are those youngsters um, going to be able to take the step up. And um, if they are, it's not going to be this year that they'll be able to do that. So I think they've still got some more to head down before they can look at coming back up again. That's it. It's also interesting to note that uh, despite their sort of youngish side, that uh, their top four possession winners so far this year are Joel Selwood, Corey Enright, Steve Johnson and Harry Taylor, four old hats. That was the same as last year. They all see like they were relying on their older players to get 
job done and just falling over the line against like teams like Carlton and things like that. So, yeah, I think they're, like Andre said, uh, it's, they're going to be uh, flak track bullies and hopefully we can uh, do the business tomorrow night. Mm. I mean, really, the only player of theirs which was young and flying last year was Christensen, and he's a weapon point of pronouncing. He's now obviously up at the Bears, so as they uh, seem to be playing, except when they play us. Um, so yeah, they're um, they're really not having the youngsters coming through yet. So um, they've still uh, had a couple of good games, but yeah, not against quality opposition. Well, we're sitting ninth on the ladder, Geelong right behind us in 10th. I guess there's quite a lot riding on the result of this game. Um, you know, we, we probably don't want to lose this one and neither do Geelong. Um, how do you feel about this one? Are you, are you confident going in? I think after our season, anyone who says they're confident is um, either a bit deluded or... Taking um, the piss they've, 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 Yeah, they've hit the um, game day village um, in a day before everyone else. <laughs> and I, I thought if we if our best turns up, um, then I think we're in for a six or seven goal win. But even with the games we've won the last couple of weeks, we haven't had our best turn up for four quarters. Well, I'm going to put my hand up and say that I'm deluded. <laughs> the game day village, <laughs> because <laughs> because I say win, we'll win really well. Um, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that you're right. Over the past few weeks, it's just it's we're a nearly their side. Like you see things, you go, oh, if they'd done that or this handball or this had hit the target or this had happened, you know, I can see, you can see what they're trying to do and it's just not working all the time. But I think once it clicks, it's like a Rubik's cube, you know, and you get in that last little square and you, it looks like a whole jumble of garbage, but then you just like go three moves and it's done. You know? I think we're getting Same closer. I mean, I mean, the Melbourne game, it took until halfway through the second quarter for it all to click into place. And last week, it was probably just that first 10 minutes that um, the Bulldogs were all over us and we were lucky that they were kicking points before it turned into the arm wrestle for um, then the following two and a half quarters before he blew it open in the last. So hopefully this week we can uh, click from the from the opening siren. Well, the thing I'm hoping for is is that because it's Geelong and because no matter what happens, we're going to respect them as an opponent. We're going to bring the A game, you know, in terms of tackling yep. and pressure and all that sort of stuff. So it's not going to be like, oh, well, this will be an easy game to, to win, like against Brisbane or West Coast Richmond. or even Richmond. You know what I mean? Like, oh, these guys are soft. We can just go and do that. Whereas it's not like that. There are no soft games anymore. No. I think right, so, this no, year has proven right. that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. I'm hoping it plays out similar to how last year's game played out, where it was just this nice, steady 40-point win. We just kept gradually increasing the lead, and uh, it was nice and easy like that. So hopefully it plays out pretty similar. Look, we might as well move on and uh, talk about selections. It's a bit of a uh, an interesting one again tonight. Um, first off, Geelong. They've uh, they've dropped Michael Luxford. They've brought back in Reece Stanley, who you would think would uh, will be leading their ruck uh, contingent on Friday night, um, and we have uh, lost Carl Amon with a calf injury and brought in Sammy Cahoon for his first game since the 2013 final series. Obviously, he did his knee last year. Um, his first game back at AFL level, which is uh, great for Sammy. Yeah, I think we have to separate this into two sort of like parts. So I think it's good to see, from a personal point of view, the Hoon get a game, and I hope he tears it up. But 
from a selection point of view, from his form in the SNFL, he hasn't shouted, pick me, um, like Archie um, has for uh, most of the last uh, month. And I think he also doesn't dress uh, really a like for like. He isn't a pacey player like him on, and he doesn't cover what I think has been our biggest structural issue this year, which is we've I think clearly lacked another big-bodied midfielder to help um, get space for guys like Boak and Gray to get effective clearances. I think it depends where he's going to play. If they're going to play him in that the role that Amon's playing, that sort of like, or was playing, that sort of like link up, pushing pushing forward, back and stuff. I don't... Yeah, I don't... I could have understood Mitchell coming in in that role. Yeah. Because he's got that thing. I mean, I know his disposal is not the best at the best of times, but you know, at least he's you know what you're going to get from him, and he's consistent. But I don't know. I just I think they've got some game that they're playing of how many players can we play in this season, right? Because <laughs> seriously, seriously. I mean, if you think about it, when they played Redden, and everyone was like, "Oh yeah." great that he's coming back from an ACL and stuff and he was I hate to say it because he's a Port Adelaide player and I'm supposed to be positive all the time but it wasn't a positive for the team that he was playing it was actually turned into a negative by the end of it yeah you know same sorry yeah, I was so Redden was probably a bit different because that was a. You could say there wasn't anyone else on the on the list at that point in time that you could put in as a, a second ruck so it was a I don't think they should have rolled the dine in, in hindsight. I think everyone agrees with that. But there are plenty of other smalls um, who are pushing for selection. So it's not a you know, um, yeah. boon or bust like it was a Redden or um, bust sort of situation. I think on uh, face value, looking at it, I I would think it's doubtful that Cahoon will be um, playing in Amon's role. I think we're more likely to see him... Um, push back into defence and maybe play on someone like a Corey Gregson and, and we might end up seeing someone like Impey or Broadbent um, playing further up the field. Well, the other one is, um, which we've uh, talked about in the past, is interesting to see if we push um, Pittard up into a wing position and see how he goes there. I mean, if we're... Hoon's basically another of our um, many, 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 many halfback flankers. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, if if he plays there on that halfback flank, then... Um, like you say, one of the other guys has to push up. Um, otherwise, the team is just looks unbalanced for the game. Yeah, I'd love to see Pittard play on a wing this week. I think that would be a. I think that would be a good move. Many, mm. I, mean, yeah, I think it's um, Geelong. Obviously, we've got to respect them, but it's it's not as if we're coming up against a um, a Hawthorne or a um, a Sydney where um, you know, we really need him down back as a you know a creative option as much. I think if if we're going to do it then this week or um, next week against Carlton would be where you'd try it out. I think that makes more sense than uh, than seeing Cahoon play as a wingman, to be mm. honest. But yeah, I, I highly doubt we'll see him playing Amon's role on the weekend. But you never know, I guess. Well, look, who uh, who worries you about Geelong? Who uh, in their side are you a bit concerned about? Well, I'd say three players concern me. There's obviously um, Selwood, obviously still um classy midfielder. And... Um, you also always got to watch out for the uh, the freeze um, being paid against you. The um, umpires are cracking down on the you know ducking your head in, but not for the um, the Selwood duck. So 
I'm sure we're still going to yell out at least um, a couple of times in the game where he's um, you know, managed to milk the high free. And then uh, after last week's effort, I think our players have to also watch out for their eyes. <laughs> That's and true. So, yeah, and so the other two, obviously, you've got to watch out for Hawkins. I mean, he's um, all class. Just um, hope while we're out there, a few players, um, you know, spruce um, uh, you know, spruce give a spiel to him about how good Port is and, um, you know, how good he'd look in the um, you know, black, white and teal. Oh, and, you know, I was going to say my third one would be um, Glibkas, or um, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it. He's um, really flying along this year as a Westhoff type, um, in a role. Yeah, yeah he's been uh, probably the most surprising player in the whole league, I guess. I mean, you don't tend to see players that size... Um, who are absolute running machines and you know quicker and and uh, and have more endurance than any other bloke in the league. It's uh, it's quite bizarre, but yeah, he's having a fantastic um, season as a bit of a midfielder, and it'll be interesting to see who we actually play on him. Whether we do maybe play Westhoff further up the field and and uh, in a bit of a run with role. I mean, I'd like to see it tried at least in the first quarter. I mean, if it doesn't work, we can obviously um, then look to shift a, probably a um, one of our key defenders onto him, but. I think if it does work, that's a a malfortune prospect to see um, the pair of them go head to head as the um, the two super tall, you know, um, play anywhere where um, guys in the league. Yeah, that's it. I've got to say, I'm uh, I'm hoping we do the job on their key forwards this week. Their key forwards don't tend to scare me too much. I mean, Hawkins probably having his least effective year. At least for the last few. Um, I mean, he still kicked 17 goals in eight games, but um, he isn't really running a lot and getting free on the lead as much as he was um, in the last couple of seasons and is uh, really relying on his contested marking this year. Um, uh, Shane Kirsten, he's been uh, a bit more of a sort of a lead up centre half forward type this year. Averages about four marks and just under a goal a game. And Josh Walker, I just don't rate at all. Um, but then again, he did kick a couple of goals against us last year. So I guess you never know with him. Well, I think all of it, like all forwards, they're um, dependent to a degree on what's um, happening up the field. And if you you sort of look at Geelong's midfield this year, I mean, the only um, player who's in the top 50 for contested possessions is um, is Selwood. Last year they had um, Johnson and Christensen you know, in the top 50 as well. So obviously getting Hawkins and um, you know the other forwards cleaner in a first use of a ball, whereas now it's turning obviously a bit more into a scrap down their forward line, which... Um, tends to obviously benefit the smalls a bit more than it does um, the talls. I was going to say, I was just looking at their team list and in terms of like players that you're worried about, and I'm like going, I agree with you guys, but half these players, like, yeah, I don't know. You would think, you would think that if we play our best football, it would be a comprehensive victory, but mm. it, that's, that's going to be the issue. If It's going to be all to do with whether we can play our best versus them doing exactly the same as what every other team has done, doing that whole clog the middle up, you know, force us wide, drop players back into the into the uh, defensive fifty, that boring I mean, style only... play that everyone plays against us. Yeah, well, I mean, the only team that hasn't done that really has been. Um... Hawthorne who backed themselves out for a, uh, a shootout, and even they um, adjusted somewhat after we um, destroyed them in the first quarter. So I'll be very surprised if they didn't switch to Plan B and, and clog the corridor and drop players back. 
I mean, a lot of their star players aren't having fantastic years. I mean, Selwood slowed down a little bit. He's uh, averaging career-high in clearances this year with seven, just over seven a game, but he's not really having the influence um, that he's had in previous years. Johnson's um, having uh, five-year lows in just about every single stat category you can think of. Um, you know, Enright's still a, a super important player for them. Um, I guess the, the, the players that uh, interest me the most would be James Kelly, Matthew Stokes, and, um, of course, Stephen Motlop, who, um, who has run riot against us a couple of times. Yeah. I mean, the one there that's going to be one of our interesting matchups is, um, do you guys expect Impey to go to Motlop? On face value, you would think so. I mean, I think that would be... Uh, I'm with Janice, and overall, if we bring our best game, I think we'll win comfortably. But having said that, I think even if we do win comfortably, there are quite a few interesting matchups. Um, you know, to still have a, a game worth watching, and Motlop versus Impey um, is one of those. Yep, yep. Agreed. We can care. Excellent. That's it. Um... <laughs> Gus Morfries, do you expect him to do a bit of a, a forward uh, tagging job on Corey Enright? I, well, I'd expect Morfries to play some sort of game to what he did last week. And then, uh, you know, as you say, take out the opposition's most um, offensive, um, well, uh, you say rebounding um, defender and, you know, shut them out of a game and then we can all wait for... Uh, the Facebook rants on um, Saturday as to, uh, you know, he should be dropped and kick more goals because he's not playing his role. Yeah. So who do you Gus expect is... to... Uh... Sorry, you go. No, I was going to say, yeah, Gus has got a particular role that he plays in our team and he does it exceptionally well. And one, and he's pretty good at getting under opposition skin. That's what I'll say. So I hope yeah. that he'll do exactly the same thing because I think there's a few people in... Uh, the Geelong team that might uh, get their feathers ruffled a bit, and that'll uh, go a long way to helping us win. So, who plays on Selwood? Do we expect um, you know us to sort of play head to head against him? You know, someone like Boak, um, or do you maybe see someone like Wines or Ebert doing a bit more of a negative job on him? I'd play Wines head to head, but not in a um, not in a, uh, a negating role. Just um, <sighs> You know, two big-bodied midfielders contesting against each other, similar to um, him and Fife in the uh, yep. semi last year, or even uh, you know Fife and the uh, Catboy um, when Fremantle and Adelaide played. Yeah, I can get behind that. I mean, yeah, I was going to say you, you'd either go Boak head to head or Wines head to head. I mean, it might be a case of if he gets off the chain a bit, then Wines goes to him as a more of a you know tackling type of shutdown but hurt him the other way type of role. But mm. you know what I mean? Like not directly like a, not a tagging role per se, but more of like a, uh, but still a little bit more defensively orientated, I guess, because Wines is more of a tackling machine than Boak is. I don't know, but yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we'll um, start with tagging him. I mean, um, we don't really have a natural tagger in the team anymore. No, we don't need I mean, one. No, that's really. No, no. That's it. Yeah, I think the uh, the team defence mantra that every team seems to have now, the role of the tagger has sort of like faded away for the better teams, I guess, because you're all supposed to be doing your job anyway and it's supposed to be like, oh, you're guarding space or, you know, zoning off and pressing. So if you've got one person who's man-marking, I mean, it's like... Uh, 
in association football, the idea of man marking or tagging went away. It's only for like the really, really, really good players that you would ever possibly do it. Right, so with a Gary Ablett or a Nat Fife, you might decide to do some sort of tagging role. But generally speaking, it's just like we'll back our formation in or back our game plan in and just go head-to-head and we'll change the structure rather than just focusing on one player. I mean, the only contrarian one on that one is that really Selwood is there... Um, prime midfielder by head and shoulders and if you did play a tagger on him and shut him down then the rest of their midfielder is really going to struggle so you could almost sacrifice the player there whereas if you're playing a more a team that's more balanced you can't really afford to, to lose a player mm. so I could see it going either way but I don't expect we will play a, a tagger but it wouldn't shock me if we did I mean you can almost yeah use that example going the other way. I mean, you'd expect Cameron Guthrie to go to someone like Robbie Gray or Travis Boak, but, you know, you shut one of them down and we've still got four or five other players that could absolutely tear Geelong to pieces. That's it. Yeah. Can't shut them all down. No. Yeah. I mean, really, if I, if I was a Geelong coach, a player I'd be looking to shut down is Wines. If he's shut down, then he's not making space for likes of Boak and Gray and we'd, we're really going to struggle. I think... Um, Boak and Gray are, are all the class, but um, really Wines is one which needs to break the space and, and let them show all that class, and he'd be the one I'd target if I was the opposition coach. How do we expect uh, some of the younger guys to go this week, uh, Tommy Cleary and Sammy Gray? Cleary, I think, um, after his nervous first quarter last um, week, really um, you know, settled in, and by the second half, he was um, looking like he's fitting right in the back line like a glove. The... Um, Interesting to see who he lines up on um, this week. Obviously, you'd expect probably Carlisle to get um, Hawkins as um, yep. you know the one big body lining up on another one, and um, Homsch to get the. Uh, well, who would you play Homsch on? I'd probably play Homsch on Kirsten, I would think, yeah. and then uh, probably Cleary on Walker, mm. and then I would so, say Jonas on uh, Stevie J. What about if um, Stanley drifts forward? Um, you know, when he's not rucking, would you expect Cleary to, to you know, pick him up then or a Homsch to swap over as um, and look to run off of him? Oh, Stanley's pretty quick, so I'd probably still play Tommy Cleary. Yep. I'd be happy with that. I think it's definitely... Um, I'd definitely like to see him get a, a good run of games and wouldn't rush um, Tringove back um, you know, before he's uh, fully fit. I mean, uh, if, if Cleary can get a run of four or five games, then um, it will stand us in good stead if we need him later in the year. And what about Sammy? <laughs> For me, I actually thought his game against Geelong last year was almost better than his game against Brisbane. I actually thought it was just about his best game. Yeah, I mean, the game against Brisbane last year, um, we were just so dominant all over the field that you could have almost stuck the... Uh, proverbial carbon rod in the forward line and um, he would have kicked three goals so and I don't think he could you know, particularly um, you know, take much away from that performance whereas um, yeah, obviously in the Geelong game it was you know, uh, two teams which were um, doing well at the time so you'd, you'd rate that one more <sighs> sort of on two minds about Sam Gray I think as a <sighs> I just get a, a bit mystified that he's been picked given that he, he plays as a, a midfielder in the um, SNFL. If he's been picked for our AFL side, I'd like to see him actually get a bit more um, midfield time. And if he's going to be played as a, 
a small forward when he's um, called up to the uh, the power. Then um, now that we've got the the one club and the Magpies as our reserve side, then play him as a small forward in the Magpies so that he um, you know really gets to know that role inside out. Look, I love Sam Grace Hustle, and I love him what he does as a player. Like in terms of he gets everything that he can out of himself. Right, so you've got to love that sort of endeavour and effort. Um, I think he'll do exactly what he did last week and the week before. Whether yeah. that's enough for the side moving forward, I don't know. If you rated his performance last week and said he played a good game, then you'll probably rate his performance this week. And conversely, if you said, no, nah, we've got better players out of the side who should be playing his role or that could be playing his role, then I don't think you're going to change your mind that way either by what he does. Yeah. Let's do it that way. If, if I was going to say what I think of Sam Gray, I'd say he's a 2012 player. And by that, I mean it's like when we used to pick Matt Thomas and Tom Logan regularly because they'd give their all, even though they um, didn't have class. But I think we're beyond that as a team now, and I think we should be picking players who can bring more to the table when they're selected than Sam Gray can at this point in time. Well, He's the new era I, Darren Pfeiffer. Yeah. I mean, no, what else, not that bad. What I'll say to you about Sam Gray or any of our players, whether it's Sam Gray, Sam Calhoun, whoever gets selected, if the best thing that you can say about them is they do an AFL standard pass to a, a Ford or something like that, say, oh, look at that pass, you know, and it's like, well, he's an AFL player supposedly, because he's playing AFL, that's the sort of pass he should be doing, you know? Yeah. So if if it's so, if that is what is like the highlight of the thing, oh, it's like he, oh, he tackles or he pressures, everyone should be tackling, everyone should be pressuring. That's what all our players should be doing. There should be, there's got to be more than that than just effort and hustle. Yeah. So, which is what Andre was saying about being a 2012 player. I mean, that's what those players had. All they had was effort and hustle, but there wasn't that skill level there. Now, whether he can be better going forward, that's up to, up to debate. I mean, he could get better, you know, or he could mm. plateau, plateau or something like that. My personal theory is is that they're looking at him. They've probably looked at the the draft this year, and apparently it's not that good or it's even or something like that. Like in terms of it's a pretty so-so draft. So it could be that they're looking at him for the play, for the idea of upgrading him with one of our picks or something like that afterwards because we don't have someone that we're looking at. I don't know. But... Because yeah. I think this is his second year, isn't it? It so is, it's yeah. uh, So it's time to make a choice on whether he's going to be a Port Adelaide player or not. I mean, you look Basically, when the, yeah. yeah, yeah. When you look at, you know, unless you, we get the likes of, um, in a shore uh, or more of a light wanting to leave for more opportunities, we are going to be struggling as to who we um, cut at the end of the year, and I can't see um, where we'd free up a lift, a uh, main list spot in order to upgrade Sam Gray. I mean, I think the other thing with just with him is. Um, you just look at the size of the AFL players these days. They're just getting uh, taller and taller. And um, if it had been the the 80s or even the 90s, I think he would be a, um, a really good um, player potentially for us. But I just don't think these days he's um, 
just the size to make it as an AFL midfielder. And um, I just have my queries as to whether he can um, convert from being a, a midfielder into that um, small forward. And maybe that's what the coaches are selecting him for, to see whether those queries are right or not. Like they're saying, well, here's an here's a opportunity for you. Let's see if you can actually cut it. And... I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm happy with that. They selected that for bringing him up. But then if they wanted to do that, I just don't understand why Hinkley then hasn't directed Hocking to say, um, play Sam uh, for, you know, for Maggie's games. It um, mm. just seems like, um, why wouldn't you do that? Look, I like his defensive pressure up forward and, and it really does allow um, Robbie Gray to play full-time as a midfielder, which is obviously what we want this year. Um, you know, he's been absolutely tearing it up in the midfield. Um, so I guess that's that's one of the positives. We've actually had a tweet from Scott McLaughlin, um, which says, what does Archie have to do to get a crack? And you've got to say, he's probably just got to bide his time, really. Well, yes, yeah, he can't really do much more. I mean, he's had a, a string of consistently good games since he's um, went back to the SNFL, and um, he did perform well when he uh, got his call up um, to the power for the time he was on the ground. So yeah, he can't really do anything more than wait for the coaches to um, tap him on the shoulder again. And personally, I hope it's not too long. Yeah. As I said a couple of weeks ago, I don't think we're going to be playing Wines Plus... Uh, sorry, let me. How do I word this? I, I don't think we'll be playing any more than two of Wines, Young, Moore, and Archie in the same side. No, I think, I think if, uh, of... if if someone like Moore or Archie wants to to get a game, they've really got to wait until either Young gets dropped or someone like Boat Gray or Wines gets injured again. So I don't really think that Young should be lumped in with um, more Archie. I'm um, sort of like with um, Janice on that one. He's more a, a half, um, you know, half uh, forward flanker who can go on the midfield. He's I see him long term as being the um, the Monfries replacement. Actually, he's. Um, see, I see him as the exact opposite. I see him as a, a centre square midfielder that can play on a flank. Well, there you go. <laughs> potato, potato. Now, <laughs> <laughs> nah, well. My personal theory is, is that he should be playing the role that Sam Gray's playing at the moment. You know, that sort of in-between half-forward, goes in the midfield occasionally, on the flank, you know. Because you look at what happened with Sam Gray against... Um, I know it happened against the Western Bulldogs, but I don't know if it's happened against Melbourne as well. But he'd be on the wing and can... He doesn't really can take contested marks, whereas I don't know if Young takes contested marks either, but he's definitely taller, right? Yeah. So therefore, he's going to have more of an opportunity to get his hands on the ball than a Sam Gray will in that sort of situation. So, and I mean, that's what I why I thought when Young was selected, was it a week ago or two weeks ago now? And he had 11 tackles or something like that. I thought, because they played him on that hut in the Magpies and they started him off on the, well, they selected him in the half-forward flank area. That's where they put him on the team sheet. Right? I thought, oh, yeah, here we go. Young is going to learn how to play this role that Sam Gray is playing now and he's going to focus mm-hmm. on his tackling and be that defensive forward like Monfries is doing, you know, and then he'll come into the side and Gray will be out and that's it. Well, prediction, guys, who's going to win? Port. I'm going to say if good port turns up, 37 point win. Nice. 
Jonas? I, okay, I reckon Port Adelaide, obviously. And I'm going to go with... 53 points. 53 points, I like it. I'll take that. Yeah. I like it. I'm going to say Port by 49 points. I think... Uh, I think it's going to be our night. I think we're going to uh, dominate the run of the play. I think we've got too many options all over the park to uh, to either kick goals or stop them from kicking goals. Um, probably come down to the midfield. If we can beat the midfield and stop Joel Selwood, then we'll, uh, we should win pretty comfortably, I would think. And, uh, and a look at uh, Justin Westhoff kicking four goals. That'd be good. We haven't really seen a bag from uh, the Hoff this year. Be, um... No. <sighs> I think he's overdue. I mean, I think he's um, improved last week, um, but yeah, it'd be nice to see him uh, just kick it up that notch further to the um, 2014 level. That's it. I think I've predicted Hoff to kick four goals for the last six weeks, so I'm going on the theory that uh, sometimes at some point it's going to be right. Let's move on and talk about the SA NFL. Uh, Port play West Adelaide at Richmond Oval on uh, Saturday. We've got a 160 to 99 win loss record. West have won the last three. Uh, sorry, uh, have won three of the last four games. Um, I guess the uh, the main interest for this one is uh, is the debut of Dougal Howard, um, our first pick in the uh, in the draft last year, pick 56. Um, it'll be great to see him uh, having a run around. Yeah, I mean um, our other uh, draft picks of. Um been impressive so far this year um, more than you'd expect um, probably players who picked so late in the draft to be so uh, hopefully he can um, keep up with what so far looked to be um, a fairly esteemed company Yeah I was going to say if he was the first one picked and the other guys have performed pretty well then you would hope that he's going to continue that sort of form that the other ones do so he's got he's got a lot of uh, expectations to live up to based on what these other guys have done they would expect that after a uh, a long layoff, it'll take them a couple of weeks to get up to speed. But, yeah, obvi- uh, obviously, obviously, <laughs> we'll give them uh, a few weeks to uh, get into the groove. Although Frampton seemed to get into the groove uh, pretty much straight off the bat last week. So. Yeah, it's very true. We'll see. Be interesting to see how a uh, a key forward line of Mitch Harvey, John Butcher, and Dougal Howard goes, and of course Frampton can play up there as well. He kicked two goals last week. Um. Yeah, I, I would think we should win this one quite comfortably. Yeah, I mean, you think it'd be too much firepower up forward there. It's um, and with uh, Moore and Archie being held back, you think we've got um, just two stronger bodies. Um, you know, um, obviously AFL, you know, hardened bodies against um, you know, the part timers of the uh, the SNFL to um, you know, really lose the midfield. So you expect that um, all those tall targets are going to get you know, good supply and. Be nice to um, see one of the you know, key forwards uh, kick a bag, and you know, one of them start demanding uh, to be picked later in the season. I've been really impressed with Mitch Harvey's uh, consistency this year. He seems to kick two goals every week, which is fantastic. Yeah, I think the only one like everyone sort of says query there is um, his tank. I mean, um, I think once he gets his tank up, I think he will start getting picked for um, AFL games. It's just. Um, Probably not this year, but you'd hope after another preseason he starts getting some next year. Yeah, he'll go the same way as uh, what Tom Cleary did. Probably next year, get like a couple of games, 
and then the year after that be like get a few more like probably five or six or something like that and then take it from there but yeah he's been doing really well and performing all the things that they're asking of him so all we can do is cross our fingers and hope that his progression is still uh positive and an upward trend i guess but yeah. like with with any key forward it's going to be up and down if you're going to be realistic because there's going to be bad days and good days as they start to learn how to develop their game so yeah yeah I mean, the, I suppose I shouldn't curse him, but the key one I think with Harvey is he's managed to um, pretty much uh, keep at bay the injury curse, which has seen to inflicted our other um, you know, developing key forwards, and obviously Butcher and um, now Shaw seems to be um, broken a mirror or run over a black cat. He's um, not having uh, much luck there either. Yeah, we really need uh, Mason Shaw to have a injury-free pre-season just to see what he can do and... It's probably been the unfortunate thing is that uh, he's got a lot of talent, uh, he's got a lot of potential, but um, just hasn't really been able to get his body right so far. Mm. Well, that's what the other one, the elephant in the room is. Do you think um, Shaw is going to sign a uh, a contract extension? Probably fifty-fifty at the moment. I would yeah. Think. yeah, yeah. So I hope he'd uh, at least get back on the park and get playing games. I think if he's um, you don't get to keep on getting injured. That's uh, you know, when players tend to, you know, their heads drop, and you know, he could be looking for greener pastures. I think if he's out there and, you know, kicking some goals for us, it's more likely he's going to, um, you know, sign on again. So uh, hopefully he can get over his injuries um, you know, fairly quickly. Is there even a uh, slim chance he might be delisted? No, I cannot see that. I mean. Um, you look at how everyone screams out for a, a key position forward and you get thrown up even um, questionable ones from other sides to say, you know, should we look at them and look if we can turn them around? It's, um, key forwards have to almost you know, reach their 30s and um, be playing with a Zimmer frame before a, a club will delist them. They're just that rare. That's right. No, if, he, if uh, Shaw is going to do anything he might get traded if he uh, gets to the end of the year and decides that he wants to go somewhere else. But no, I can't see us getting him delisted. There's other players that would be on the chopping block before him. I mean, you would think uh, Johnny Butcher will go before him. So Mm. hopefully Shaw signs on. I think he's got a lot of talent and uh, he's, you know, he's one of my favorite uh, youngsters out there playing for uh, Port Adelaide and uh, yeah, hopefully he signs on. I mean, the only, I suppose the only advantage if he does want to go is um, both West Coast and Fremantle are doing well this year, so he's not, you know, uh, he's obviously if he's going to go, it's going to want to be a, you know, head back home to WA, so he can't hold off a, uh, you know, um, they're finishing bottom four, I'm just going to walk into the, you know, pre-season draft threat, so, um, but yeah, hopefully he stays. Yeah, we want him to stay. <laughs> We want him to stay. Sorry, I was going to say, what I'm hoping for is that all the players that didn't get selected this week in the AFL side have that, like a, how can I put it, that annoyance, but not in terms of being angry, just being aggressive and really like prove why they should be selected this this week. So just have a really, really good game. Yeah, That's all I'll say about that. 
enough. Or uh, hopefully one or two of them sign a contract extension. That seems to be a uh, do that and you get the game the next week. Well, let's talk about the rest of the AFL. And obviously the big news this week was uh, Chris Judd has uh, pulled up stumps after doing his ACL last week against the Crows and has called, uh, called the end of one of the greatest AFL careers of all time. Lads, um, where do you see him sitting against the modern greats? If he's not first, he's second. Mm. I think he's just a touch below um, Ablett. Um, just for the fact that because of his um, injuries, he just wasn't able to put uh, together you know, seasons that is very top level for the number of years that Ablett's been able to do it. I think um, if he'd been able to you know, do that for as many years as um, you know, Ablett was able to do or is... Um, hopefully still is able to do when he comes back from his shoulder, then I think he'd um, be level pegging with him, if not slightly ahead, but due to not being able to put um, those sort of level performance together for quite so long, I'd say he's a a close second. I would say, for me, he's still ahead of Ablett. I think um, the only two that I would rate ahead of him would be uh, Buckley and Voss, um, and that would be it. You know, two Brownlow, six All-Australians, he's a premiership captain, he's a Norm Smith medalist, he did it all. I think he's probably he he would probably be my favourite non-port player of all time. I would think um, certainly one of the most explosive and brilliant players I've ever seen play the game, and you know just his speed, his lateral movement, his goal sense. He was absolutely unstoppable mm-hmm. at his best, and I mean he was just a, an absolute monster at the clearances, and and it was just his speed and his ability to break away from the stoppages which made him so unique. Yeah, I mean he's one of the. Um... I'm not generally a person who enjoys watching other teams play, but you know, Judd, when he was at West Coast, it was just a joy to watch him play. I mean, um, yeah. that game against Brisbane, I mean, that was just a masterclass of um, football. You just sat there st- scratching your head wondering what the hell was going on. <laughs> He's this lad in his second season absolutely dominating against the back-to-back Premier, um, you know, who were absolutely flying at that point in time. and. You know, he's this uh, 20-year-old kid that's kicked five goals in the first half against, you know, guys like Chris Scott and Brad Scott. I mean, it was unbelievable. You sort of wonder um, what, you know, how he would have finished up if he uh, hadn't chosen Carlton as the um, the team he was going to play for when he came uh, back to Victoria. If it had been um, in almost any one of his other um, suitors, he um, quite possibly could have another um, premiership medal or two. He was seduced by the yeah, lure brown paper, of brown paper no, bags. Well, well, brown paper bags. Board. Well, brown paper cardboard. The brown cardboard bags of Visiboard. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. The environmental <laughs> ambassador, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, um, sure the, I'm sure the millions said, um, yeah, Pratt threw his way... Uh, <sighs> Over and under the table will um, console him at night. Yes. No, I was, what I was going to say was he was seduced by the lure or the... Um, I can't even think of the word. Carlton had a lot of first-round draft picks. Mm. And, he, and everyone yeah. was the impression that they were going to be like the next thing because they had Mark Murphy and Bryce Gibbs and Matthew Cruiser and stuff. And it's like, yep, yeah, yeah. I'll go to this, this thing. They had, they had Andrew Walker and... You know, it was all going to come together. And they also had Brendan Vavola at the time, you know. So it was just like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'll go to the one that's going to be really good. But that's why when people say, oh, look at GWS, they're going to be, like, awesome and stuff. It's like, 
yeah, they might be, but it doesn't always work out that way just because you've got high draft picks. No, we only have to look at Melbourne for the last um, <laughs> 20 years to see how that one, uh, how it doesn't always play out. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it, as I say, it's very hit and miss. But then, as I say, you got on the other side, obviously, like Hawthorne, who did very well out of their um, years of uh, high draft picks. So, well, he, uh, I think he's still, he's, he's had a career he can look back on and um, be happy with. And um, as I say, he's set up very nicely financially as well with um, out of Carlton. So I don't think he'll have too many regrets. No, not at all. I mean, my, my memory of Chris Judd was... You kind of like hate him at the same time because he this didn't happen. But that 2007 um, final, the uh, qualifying final against West Coast, where he was on one leg, and you thought, oh yeah, nothing's going to happen. Judd, he's only got one leg; he's not going to do anything. And he was kicking all these goals and stuff, and they were just <laughs> still running really won the game. And, and he ne- exactly, he nearly won in the game. I'm like going, Judd. Are we cursing him now that he didn't get them a couple more? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. What are you doing, Chris? Yeah, yeah, come on. Kick two more and he could have saved us all from years of um, yeah, heartbreak. That's it. Oh, yes. No, <laughs> no doubt. Look, uh, any other games this week interest you guys? I think uh, obviously North Melbourne and Sydney would be the, the main one. Yeah, I mean, the other ones aren't really much... Um... <sighs> With the buy, I mean, I don't think North Melbourne are going to give Sydney anything like a run for their money. I think North is, um, if we've been inconsistent this year, then North has pretty much just been fairly woeful. They're, um, I think they rolled their dice on um, getting in a bunch of you know free agents and older players, and I think on the evidence so far is it didn't um, hasn't worked. Yeah, you know my theory on North Melbourne. If they win because they're not meant to. Yeah, when they're expected to lose, they'll win, and when they're expected to win, they'll lose. So I would not be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they win. Yeah, it would not surprise me at all, especially because they're playing at Idiot Stadium. You know, they seem to love that. They grow another another leg or whatever on that ground. So, yeah, but nah, I mean, if you were betting on it, if you were tipping it, you might decide that if you were behind on tips, you might go, oh, yeah, I'll see if I can do something with North Melbourne here. But if you were betting, you'd go for Sydney. No. Yeah. I actually think the most interesting game uh, other than our one obviously is the um, is Collingwood and GWS it's, um, in and now we're starting to get into the you know, the colder and the weather and the ground starting to get a bit heavier is um, is that going to start having an effect on the younger bodies of um, GWS or are they going to you know, keep on you know, steamrolling um, t- a lot of teams like they have so far this year yeah, that, that should be a pretty good game. Obviously, Dylan Shields signed on for another two years, so that's a, a great um, a great thing for the Giants. Uh, they just need Adam Trelaw to uh, to sign on as well, and you know they've pretty much all, got all their young guns signed up for the for the next few years. I asked a question about that, about whether he going to 2017. Does he qualify for free agency because they were a list back in 2010 and they played in the TAC Cup and stuff? Or does it count from 2012 when they came to the AFL? I've asked a few people and, and no, one's, uh, no one's entirely sure. Wasn't one of the um, couple of Gold Coast players, younger ones, up for restricted free agency, including one of the years they played um, in the, like, the uh, Queensland um, uh, Light League? 
because they've been on the list for that next year. That would be next year. But uh, I think they've they've probably got three players that that would um, uh, that that would work for. But I think they're all signed up or Mm. unlikely to get another contract. Guys like Zach Smith, I think. Um, So I guess if we wait another twelve months, we'll know the answer to that. Yeah. Because you would think it would make sense because they've been a contracted player for that club. Even if they're yeah. not playing in the AFL, they've still been a contracted player. So yeah, yeah. it's all around. You know, you've been at a club for um, you know, either the, in the the restricted number of years or the full years, or been a a um, fully fledged free agent, not around. You know, playing a certain number of games. So yeah, I mm. tend to think it is that they'll become eligible um, that year or two earlier than um, how many years they've been playing in the uh, in the big leagues. Mm. Certainly, that, hope so, and we want a few more players of theirs to be able to be shaken loose. Because um, yeah, well, if you have, a, I mean, I looked at their uh, their list of people who are coming out of contract in 2017, and it's quite large. Uh, and their uh, salary cap goes down to I think they've probably got maybe an extra three hundred thousand or something in that year until so they're going to start feeling the squeeze, especially if they if they are eligible for free agency, then, yeah, you might be able to coax some people out of their contract and stuff. Yeah, especially now they're doing well this year, to expect that the um, players they've been signing up are, are now starting to be able to demand you know, salaries based on performance rather than potential. So you know, they've, they've got to start you know, coming back to the pack as... Um, you know, being able to have so many stars on a list and not just be able to have, you know, twice as many as everyone else has. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There's a uh, there's an article on the AFL website by Nick Bowen on uh, April the 10th, which is titled "Sons Knocking on Free Agency Door," and it's all about the fact that uh, Charlie Dixon, Rory Thompson, and Zach Smith uh, are likely to become free agents next year. So it would seem likely that that would be the case. Well, there you go. And that's the reason why he signed to 2017. So he could get that payday, go back to where he wants to go. He goes, oh, I'll just stay here for another couple of years, get my extra 200 or 300,000 per year. And then if he wants to go somewhere else, he's quite easy to go there and also get paid again. So his, his manager or his agent is doing a, a pretty good job setting him up financially. We'll make a nice change yeah. from every um, every draft and trade season. Just everyone saying, you know, why don't we go after Sam Day? Be nice to have someone else from uh, <laughs> Gold Coast and GWS mentioned. There you go. All right, lads. We might uh, call it quits for tonight and uh, and look forward to uh, tomorrow night at the footy. All right, should be good. And just as we do that, Janus is uh, is we've lost him again. We've we've lost him temporarily again. So on that note, we might uh, we might just say uh, go the power. Go the power. Go the power. That was me doing Janus. <laughs> who delivers beautifully on the chest of Thurston. Pick it to the overlap. Pull it 